recording. Right, good morning um, and happy new year. And um, it actually feels a little bit more like the UK uh, and the turn of the year uh, here because it's been freezing. And, and now I have the aircon on me, even though it's quite cold outside, it's fine. Um, uh, and I've, I've discovered that in, in my house, I think, um, I've been told, I don't know for certain, but I've been told that the, uh, the hot water is actually solar powered. Um, so I've had cold showers the last two days because we've had almost 48 hours of, of rain. And so it definitely feels like the UK in January. Um, now, normally at this time of the year, at the start of the year, just turned, turned the, uh, the end of last year, I would ask you to think back over the blessings of the last year and thank God and ask what we might change for the new year. But by anyone's account, 2020 has been pretty grim. Probably made uh, even more so by how cold it is at the moment and uh, so hard to dwell on the, those blessings. Uh, even though I, I think um, I posted on my social media uh, a couple of weeks ago, this year has definitely, uh, rather than being uh, something to dwell on what our hopes and, uh, and dreams, to dwell on the things that we have, that we do have. And as Christians, we should be thanking God and looking at those blessings and counting those blessings. Now, I, because it's the new year, I thought I'd start with something really cheery. And I thought to myself, what is the, the most uh, cheery book in the Bible? And, and I, I, so I decided on uh, Revelation. Revelation, Judgment, Death, and Hades. But in, in all seriousness, it's, it's a little bit funny because normally it's... Um, it's Pastor Craig or Eric who has been choosing the, the uh, topics of the, the, um, of the talks. And I'm sure it's just by coincidence, but I, I often get the, uh, the tricky talks on predestination and free will or prophecies or marriage. Like an old single guy like me being asked to give uh, advice to a full church of mostly married people. Uh, it seems a little bit ironic. So this time as a break from our series on Hebrews, uh, I have chosen this easiest of books, Revelation. And why not? Um, I'm sure that you have heard, let's see, I'm sure you have heard this year quotes from Revelation more than once. I'm sure that you've heard several times uh, people quoting about Revelation. And uh, I mean, if I was, a, you know, as, as a teacher, I, uh, if I was with all of you, then I would be asking your, you, you to put your hands up if, you, if you've heard uh, or how many times you've heard quotes from Revelation and refer, references to Revelation this, this year. Well, immediately you're probably thinking of Revelation 6, and the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the third horseman riding on a black horse, holding scales is supposed to represent pestilence, famine, and plague. 
And that's very relevant, isn't it? I've certainly heard that a few times this year, even though uh, non-Christians probably don't realise that it's, many of them probably don't realise that it is a biblical reference reference to Revelation chapter 6. And in chapter 16, we see God's wrath being poured out on, it, uh, on the earth in seven bowls. And the first bowl causing terrible sores and pains. It's all pretty cheery, isn't it? Aren't you glad that you tuned in today? Instead of looking at wonderfully happy times, uh, all these wonderfully happy times, I'm going to be skipping to the end and reading Revelation chapter 20 from verse 7. We're going to be focusing on uh, verse 11 onwards, all the way to chapter 21, verse uh, 14. So let me share that again. hasn't come up. Why has that not come up? Hmm. Let's try this again. Okay, let's... Okay. That's better. Uh, Okay, so Revelation chapter 20, starting from verse 7. The defeat of Satan. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will release from his prison and will, uh, will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had received them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophets were. And they were tormented by day, uh, day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who, who was seated on it. For from his presence, and uh, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which, was, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found, was not found written in the book of life. Thank you. Uh, He was thrown into the lake of fire. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out from heaven, uh, from God, out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. 
And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexual, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit, a great high mountain, and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance, like a, the, a most rare gem, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates, and the gates, uh, at the gates, 12 angels, and the gates, the names of 12 tribes and sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east, three gates, on the north, three gates, on the south, three gates, and the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Let me pray. Father, this passage can often be confusing and scary. Lord, help us to take hope from it and look forward to that day when that great city is established and you have given us the promised place in that city. Lord, help us and humble us. And help us to read your word with an eye to learn from it. And change us by your spirit to be more like you. Amen. See, it does ha end with a happy note, but I haven't got there yet. So it's not the end of the sermon. I, I'm usually give fairly short sermons, uh, but it's uh, not quite uh, there yet. So, but I will keep it brief. What's clear from this passage, from chapter 20, is this. We will all face judgment and we will be found guilty. We will all face judgment and we will be found guilty. Hebrews 9.27 says, just as people are destined to die once and after that face judgment. That's one of the memory verses I learned as a child. Uh, or as a teenager, 
And that's one worth remembering because we will all face judgment. Two things that are certain in this life, death and taxes. Well, I think some people avoid taxes sometimes, but death is definite. Just as man is are destined to die once and after that face judgment. And another from Romans 3. This was another one of my verse, uh, memory verses. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. Uh, understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. From Romans 3 and also quoting from Psalm 51 and 53. So if nobody is good and all are destined to face judgment, then surely we are destined to that terrible fate. Let's look back at uh, Romans 20. It's a lake of fire. It is a real kind of feeling of the Old Testament judgment of fire and brimstone. Verse 13, and the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So how can we avoid this terrible judgment? How can we be saved from this? Those of you who have been well-churched, those of you who have heard sermons before, should have spotted it straight away. But I'll give you a moment to have a look at chapter 20 and see whether you can spot it, because it's not easy to spot in chapter 20. How are we saved? Does anyone see it? See whether whether we can have some audience participation today. Does anyone see it? Okay. This is like one of my very quiet classes. In verse 12, let's have a look at verse 12. The dead are judged according to the books. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Those are the books that account for our lives. Those are the accounting of our sins. And yes, we will be found guilty. But look at verse 12 again. What does it say next? Then another book is opened. Do you see how this book has nothing to do with the first books? As Christians, we should know that our salvation has nothing to do with our judgment, our guilt, 
and our shame. And yes, that's a horrible word. We don't like facing it. We will be faced with the evil, the thoughtlessness, the selfishness, and the pain we've caused others. Yes, that is evil. We are evil. The thoughtness, thoughtlessness, the selfishness, and the pain we've caused others, and we will face that. And we will be rightly ashamed. But no, our salvation has nothing to do with all of that because we will be judged. Or rather, that salvation is all about that because it was taken away from us. But our place in heaven, a place that's not the lake of fire, is separate from that because our names are in the book of life. Because you see that that is separate from this. We have the books which are about our judgment. And then we have another book, which is the book of life. And this is my second point. Our salvation is not dependent on our guilt. So what is this book of life? It's referenced many times through the Bible. And again, those of you who call yourself Christians should know this. I think we see it clearest in actually in chapter 3 of Revelation. Let me read this out. Revelation chapter 3. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in, my, uh, in the sight of God. This is uh, the book uh, this is the letter to uh, Sardis, the church of Sardis. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you still have a few names in Sardis. People who, were, who have not soiled their garments and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments. I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So what is it? It's book of life. And how do we get our name in it? He says that our works are not complete in the sight of God. We try and keep his word. This is what he commands. We try and keep his word and we repent. Isn't that what Jesus came and preached? Repentance. Coming before the throne of God and admitting our guilt and accepting that what we have been taught, and what have we been taught over and over again? The Bible repeats this over and over again. And if you read the Old Testament, you will see that it points to this Savior, this salvation. We saw that on Christmas Day, the prophecy of the child who would be born, who would be mighty God, everlasting Savior, the Prince of Peace. Wonderful counselor. Jesus, who is the sacrificial lamb who died for us, who takes our punishment. 
And you'd see what Jesus will do for us in this passage. This is something that really should encourage us and make our heart, lift our hearts. Verse 5, I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name or her name before my father and before his angels. We will be humbled and shamed because of our sin. But how amazing will it be on that day when Jesus steps up and says, this one, this one is mine. I have died for his or her sins. His or her name is in the book of life. Have a look at the second book. Yes, they're guilty, but the, that price has already been paid. How amazing that Jesus, the Son of God, would speak for me. And if we go back to 20, verse, oh, sorry, chapter 21, we see in verse 3, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Some people I know, I've seen it on Facebook, have had a great celebration at New Year. And some of you are probably remembering times where you've had great celebrations of New Year. And I'm sure that when this pandemic is over, we will have great celebrations again. I look forward to the day when I, again I can have a barbecue around my house like I did a few, few years ago and invite you all. But this celebration is so much better. So what does this mean? If you know me, then you know that I am always thankful for the great blessings God has given me in my life. I have, I love many things in this life with a great passion. I enjoy good food. My taste buds aren't sensitive enough to enjoy fine, yeah, the finest cuisine. Probably I can't tell the difference between kind of a five-star restaurant and a really good bangers and mash. But I still enjoy food and plenty of it. I enjoy staying in a nice hotel with fresh sheets. I enjoy, I love a good film. I will quite happily sit and talk about a good film. I enjoy having a good laugh and I love hanging out with good friends. But what does this passage show us? This life is a temporary home. As we come into the new year, it's right that we come into this new year with hope, looking forward to the future. But don't look forward to the end of the pandemic. 
and the return of normality because we know that normal life had problems of its own. As Christians, we should be looking forward to this future, this great future when there will be no more tears, no more mourning or crying or pain. And we should be trying to uh, trying our best, our very best to run the race with our eyes fixed on the goal. And hoping and praying that as we are doing our best, we can draw our loved ones to be going there with us. Because this is the future we should be looking forward to. Our place in heaven is solely dependent on Jesus. Our place in heaven is assured. This life is temporary. We should be looking forward to that place in heaven. So let me pray. Father, thank you for this great promise that you have stored up for us a place in heaven where there will be no more pain or tears or crying, mourning. That all our fears will be washed away. All our struggles will be over. And you will be there as our God and we will be there as your people. And so, Lord, let us be bold in our witness for you. Let us love you more than anything on this earth. Because this earth is fleeting. But Lord, let us praise you and thank you for all of the great things that you've given us on this earth, which is just a taste of what we will experience in heaven, because we know that you love us and you wouldn't want to give us all good things. So as this new year starts, Lord, help. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you, knowing that we have behind us the certainty of Jesus' death, which has saved us. Humble us because of that, but help us keeping, uh, keep our eyes fixed on the goal and running that race towards this certain future. In Jesus' name, amen.